You're listening to the Save the Marriage Podcast. Your marriage can be saved and strengthened if you have the right information. Join Dr. Lee Bauckham as he explores ways for you to improve your relationship and your life, starting right now. Hey, this is Lee Bauckham, and this is the Save the Marriage Podcast. I've been doing this podcast for a number of years now just because I want to help you think through how to work through your marriage crisis. I happen to think that way too many marriages are in trouble and way too many marriages end because people don't know a better way to move forward. And so on this podcast, I like to share ideas and thoughts and techniques and approaches that can help you filter through a crisis no matter where you are. And today, I want to think a little bit about how you can filter through your own thoughts. This actually kind of comes out, a piece of it comes out of a VIP training. That's my virtual intensive program training uh, that I have a a group of people who are working hard on moving through their process. They've committed to trying uh, to get through this crisis and to work to improve themselves, improve their relationships, and find a better way. And so we meet on a weekly basis, have a weekly conference call where I do uh, some uh, training and also answer questions that uh, they have about where they are, their situation, and how to move forward. So last week, uh, I was working through a principle of leading with empathy. Uh, We're in the middle of a a series on principles to use, this understandings uh, that are a little higher than just like a technique, And a little lower than just a, here's what you're doing. You're saving your marriage by connecting, which is my approach, and changing yourself. And so this is in the middle of that. These are principles. These principles are there to help us kind of make sense of what's going on, make sense so we can have some way of tracking that. So in the process, I was talking about some modes of communication, And I thought it would be useful for us to talk about this because these are modes of communication that people use when they argue. Now, to be fair, this is not my information. I've been reading a book by Adam Grant called Think Again, which really is a way of asking the question, where have I headed down kind of a one-way street of information, right? Where have I decided to kind of put my stake in the ground and not make a change, It's a very interesting book. He talks about the fact that, you know, we always laugh at people who are still running like Windows 95 on their computer. And yet many adults are still living in beliefs that come from that long ago in their in their life. And we just don't tend to change our views very much. And so his challenge is for us to think again. And one of the things he was talking about is how we defend our viewpoint. He talked about Philip Tetlock, who said that there are these three modes that we often use to defend things in our own mind. And I just want to propose that there are these three ways that we communicate in the midst of an argument. And well, let's say in the midst of a discussion with a spouse, maybe you don't even see it as an argument, but usually our discussions with a spouse end up including an attempt to persuade a spouse in some way. As you probably have already experienced in your own life, and I have too, they rarely are very fruitful. And so as soon as I uh, read about these three modes, and, and the fourth mode, which is what frees it all up, but these three modes, I started seeing it everywhere. 
I started seeing it in the way I was communicating, in the way com- people were communicating with me, in my interactions with my wife, and in the interactions with others around me. Now, granted, this is not the only way we communicate with others. Sometimes we're just chatting with somebody, right? I'm not trying to convince somebody about the weather or other things. But you know, if we go beyond that, we might get to the place where we find ourselves falling into these three traps of how we argue. And these three traps can lock us down. And then there's this one other route that can free us up. So let me just tell you those three roles and see if you don't start thinking about it in your own life, how you interact, (laughs) and maybe even how you uh, have others interact with you. So here are the three. And, and remember, these are more of a caricature. I want to use it as, you know, not the specific person. So if I say these titles, I don't want you to go, oh, but I know this one that's not like that. These are the caricatures. These is kind of imagine it in broad strokes. So they are these, the preacher, the prosecutor, and the politician. Preacher, prosecutor, and politician. We have those internal roles within us all the time those internal roles that we can kind of pull out if we're not aware of it. And suddenly we find ourselves stuck in this method of communicating that really keeps us stuck. So let's go through them one at a time. And I'm just, I want to talk about what they are. First up is the preacher. Now there's one thing we know about a preacher, at least a preacher who, uh, you know, is, is active in what they're doing. They have a belief system, right? I mean, Hopefully, there aren't any preachers who really don't believe what they're preaching. So what we know about preachers is that they have a belief system and they want to defend the belief system in what they're saying, even if they're not aware of it, right? They're stating, here's what I believe. And when we do that internally, you know, as preacher, we're, we're kind of making sure that nobody encroaches on those beliefs for us. And so preachers have seen the light, right? They've seen the light and they want to share that with others so others will see the light, but they, in the process, defend against any other light, any other viewpoint, uh, because they are committed to theirs. Otherwise, they would be preaching the other light. So it's committed to that. It's an internal commitment to preaching these in, in beliefs that they have, the held beliefs, which often include some sense of moral judgment. Now, again, I'm not talking about your preacher, right, that you know personally, but the preacher mode that we fall into. So oftentimes it's about defending beliefs, holding moral judgment because somebody has seen the light. And so, for instance, let's say that you have decided that you need to save your marriage, And suddenly that came to you, you know, maybe at some point you even weren't, uh, I don't even know if it's worth it, or maybe you realize that your relationship is in trouble. And, you know, then suddenly you realize that you want to save your marriage. And maybe you come up with some really good reasons why. And you've seen the light now. You've realized the damage that this would cause to the family, to kids, to society, to wherever it is that you've seen the light about that. And I'm not saying those viewpoints are wrong. I'm just saying that the, the illumination has come to you. And so 
in a discussion from that place, and I put discussion in air quotes, from that place of being the preacher, you're trying to get this other person to see the light. So you're interacting with your spouse and you're trying to help your spouse realize how bad they are being or how bad it would be if they acted on their decision. Don't you see what you're doing to the kids? You know, that's kind of a preacher approach, trying to, almost shaming people about that. Now, let me note that you may be exactly correct about what you're saying, but you may not see the results you want. Because let me highlight the fact that all three of these modes are highly ineffective in moving someone to a different place. So the first one, preacher. It's about defending your beliefs that are held often from a moral judging perspective because you've seen the light. The second mode, prosecutor. This is the one that I have to be careful of for myself. The prosecutor is uh, looking to win by evidence and logic. And so they have facts at their disposal. Maybe you've looked up all of the effects of you know, having uh, a, a divorce in a family, all the negative impacts of that. Maybe you've looked all of that up and you, ha- you have the facts and figures right in front of you. You know the score differences. You know the wealth differences. You know the, all of the issues that can come up, how it can impact mental health, all those things. You have them at your fingertips and you're ready to present them to your spouse. One by one, let me tell you why you should not proceed this way. You're using evidence and logic, but more than that, and this is the one that really ends up being even more frustrating, is what they're looking for in a conversation are the holes that they can poke. And this is one that I often see spouses fall into. They ask questions almost as an attempt to nail the other person, right? I see this one very frequently, you know, in the midst of where, you know, where were you the other night? And you already know where they were, right? But you're, you're wanting to catch them in their lie on the stand under oath so that you can prosecute them. But it happens in subtler ways too. You ask questions, not because you're listening, not because you want to hear the spouse, but because you want to catch them in a twist of logic that you can turn on them. You want to catch them in something that you can turn against them to use it to persuade them. That's what you're trying to do, right? And, and this is the thing I want you to realize is that many times we go into these modes for the best of intentions. But how we carry them out are in the worst of methods. They do damage to the process. They don't get us where we want to be. And that's the thing I wanted to highlight with this. These are ineffective Maybe your spouse, you know, has a lapse in logic. But let me tell you what people do when you try to show them their lapse in logic. They double down. <laughs> right? They're not going to fall for that. And, and so many times these arguments get into bigger and bigger loops. And more than that, when you make someone defend themselves... You often have them overstate even what they believe because they feel the need to defend. And so it begins to enlarge the process and they, they find themselves digging a hole. They don't even want to dig. You're making them dig a hole deeper into a process of beliefs that maybe they didn't even hold on to until they were forced into it. So that's the prosecutor winning by evidence and logic, poking holes in the logic. 
uh, of the other person and the conversations of the other person, the evidence that the other person gives, and they're just looking for weaknesses, which leaves us to the politician. What do politicians do? Well, politicians mostly want to win approval and stay in office. They want to have power. They want to hold on to power. And so, as we've seen many times, politicians are happy to shift their viewpoints in order to maintain their power, not because they seem to really hold to those beliefs. So politicians look to win approval of the audience. They'll lobby and campaign. And often they agree to things just to sway the vote. I see this very often. You know, they're politicking to you know, maintain the marriage. And so they're you know, doing the happy face and look, aren't I happy? And can't we be happy? And what would it take to be happy? And then they start doing things that they think would get the person on their side. Not to change because they think they need to change but because they're trying to convince, I'll change, we'll change, we'll do better, we'll, you know, have more sex, or, you know, we'll do more things together, or whatever it is, I'll agree to whatever you want. I mean, there's so many things that people politic in order to get a change. And sometimes you'll win over the audience, you'll win the vote, short term. But here's the Achilles heel of politicians. Lots of times they don't follow through on the promises they made on the campaign trail. And spouses fall into the same trap. They make promises, but then they don't follow through in order to make sure they get where they need to. And so part of what happens in this preacher, prosecutor, and politician is that you're trying to convince, but there's nothing that's really changing on the backside. You know, one of the things that's true about preachers is they're often talking to the people who already believe the way they do. One of the things about politicians is they already have a judge who's ready to pass the judgment. And one of the things about a politician is that they often can find a group that's going to go with them no matter what because of their party. So they're already talking to people who don't need to be convinced in many ways. Adam Grant, in his book about Think Again, says that there is another option for us, another mode of communication, and that is scientist. What are scientists constantly trying to do? They're trying to find the holes in their own logic. They're trying to find the places where they don't know. They're trying to prove what they believe to be true to be false. I mean, that's the nature of experiments. Prove yourself wrong. So let me just say that scientists, that it's an interesting way of of thinking about it because scientists have to be incredibly curious about why things happen, what happens and why they happen. And that's kind of a useful approach when we're having a discussion and now there's no air quotes. This is really a discussion to try to figure out what somebody's believing. See, That curiosity I just talked about, that is the heart of empathy. Sometimes we're so hurt and so struggling to be in a relationship that we can't quite move straight to empathy. But curiosity begins to get us back on that path. The curiosity is, how does my spouse see the world? How does anyone see the world? How are they viewing the world from here? recognizing you're not viewing it from the same place. As I talk about it in my uh, book, in my Save the Marriage System, we have a paradigm. 
We have a way of viewing the world that's formed in many ways by our own individual experience. And part of the interesting thing in life is discovering how other people see the world and asking the question, why might they see it that way? That leads us into understanding because that's really the goal. Can we find the place where we're beginning to find an understanding with each other? You see, I think that part of what we're stuck with as spouses, the stuck point, is believing that we need to see things and agree on seeing things the same way. And I think the real goal is to understand how the other person is seeing things. The Gottman's research uh, says that a vast majority of arguments are not winnable. There's nothing to be won. They're really questions of understanding. And if we free those out, if we take out you know, the 65 or 70% of arguments that don't have a solution and are just based on understanding, it leaves us only with a handful where we actually need to come down to a conclusion. It's a lot easier when we don't believe that we have to convince somebody to be on our side as much as to understand each other's perspective. So part of our task to work on moving into a a restored relationship is actually moving towards empathy, not convincing a spouse. Because here's the thing. Preacher, prosecutor, politician, rarely is it truly convincing anyone. Those are failure points of convincing. Imagine if you and your spouse are out prosecuting each other or out preaching each other or out politicking each other. At that point, you're not likely to make a shift. The only way you're going to make a shift is if you feel understood and your spouse feels understood. So the starting point of this is actually coming to some sense of understanding. Now, being empathetic, being curious, being the scientist, that is what we're striving for, for, but that doesn't mean that's what you do automatically. So I'm kind of curious. When you hear those three ones, which ones do you find yourself naturally going to by default? Are you by default preacher, prosecutor, politician? Do you shift back and forth? Where is your default? Because you want to recognize it. It's going to be easy for you to recognize when somebody else is doing this. That was my first thing. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm looking at people who, you're, you're being the prosecutor here. You're being the preacher here. You're being the politician here. I didn't say it out loud. I just thought it, right? I just realized that that was what they were doing because then it helped me understand how I needed to respond. That if they're being prosecutor, I need not to get into the argument about the logic and the holes in the logic. We needed to have a different conversation. The same with the other two. It helped me to recognize what was coming my way. But the bigger thing was for me to recognize how I might go about it. Where was I not listening? Where was I not seeking to understand? And how could I get back to a better place? So what is your default? Of those three, what is your default? And how can you make the switch to scientist, to being curious, to having empathy? This has been a great process for VIP members. I've gotten a lot of good feedback on on my conversation about how to build empathy, how to have empathy, along with the other principles. 
And part of what I've recognized is this is something that many people just needed some guiding processes, some guiding principles to understand what they were doing and how they were doing it. If that's of interest to you and you have the Save the Marriage system, hey, reach out to me. Uh, send me a note at coach at savethemarriage.com, coach at savethemarriage.com if you're not in the VIP program. And uh, let's talk about how to get you in. If you don't have the system yet, I give you a free week of VIP. You just have to take me up on it when I offer it. It's the only time you can get it for free, but I do make the offer of a free week of VIP just by signing up. And then we also give you, for everybody, also a free get started session. You don't have to have VIP to get the get started session with one of my coaches. You just go to your download page if you have the system and click on the button and go through that. If you need to start, the place to start is savethemarriage.com. That's savethemarriage.com. But right now, I just want you to think, which role do you fall into? Preacher, prosecutor, politician? And how can you make a shift towards empathy and understanding, being that curious scientist? This is Lee Balkin wishing you the best as you work to save your marriage. You've been listening to Save the Marriage Podcast. For more information and help, please visit us at savethemarriage.com.